Hello and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. I'm your host, Hector Santi Esteban, and I've spent much of the last decade trying to figure out what makes a successful podcast. And this show is here to bring you all the tools and tactics and failures that I've gone through and also to introduce you to some amazing people that I've met along the way. And today is one of those episodes. Our special guest today is Nola Simon. She is a hybrid remote specialist, expert, amazing person who's bringing some some common sense into the field and also has her own show as well. So Nola, thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. That's uh, the best intro I've ever had. Common Sense is a good place to start. Tell me the name of the show because I don't want to get it wrong. It's Hybrid Remote Center of Excellence. And so branding has been an interesting journey for me because I actually started out calling it the Janus Oasis. Mm. And I was actually trying to train Alexa one day to play my podcast. And then I realized that Janus and Janus are different pronunciations for that. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea this was going to be a problem. So then I'm like, okay, let's come up with a title that speaks more directly to what I'm trying to actually do professionally. And that's where I came up with Hyper Remote Center of Excellence. Because I, I figured you could short form it to HRCOE. And then I'm like, but nobody calls it that. So yeah, branding is a whole thing. It's interesting that you've made that transition, though, because a lot of people are worried about that. What was that like? Did anything really, did you see any changes from it? Were there setbacks, negatives, positives from it? No, because the person most invested in the name was me, honestly. And I really just did the branding change. I changed all the marketing materials for it. And I had notes and show notes going formally at the Janus Oasis. And I left it there for a bit. I didn't notice any impact at all. I'm glad you said that because I've seen similar sort of things. Yeah, I think that you're the only person who really cares unless you've got like a show that's massive and massive. But the RSS feed stays the same. And honestly, if you listen to podcasts the way I listen to podcasts, I get reminders on the shows that I actually like. And I listen to them because I get the reminders and the notifications. I don't really care. Huh, interesting. I'm very vigilant about my notifications, and so I've turned off most of them. But that's really interesting. So let's go back to the beginnings of the show. You mentioned before you started recording that you like to use these as a kind of a way to express yourself. So I'd imagine that played into it. But I'm always curious why podcasting as a medium, because you're a great writer, you do some great writing. You could have chosen any. You could have started an Instagram channel. You're on Instagram, but like you could have chosen any sort of these directions, but you chose podcasting as one of them to be your hallmark. What went into that decision? So podcasting, like my job was restructured in 2020. And so for over 25 years, I was actually on the phones. I have a background in training, uh, customer service, sales. So when my job was restructured, I just found that I wasn't talking to anybody. So I wasn't actually using my voice on a regular daily basis. And I found that actually really, like I've always worked from home since 2011, but I was always constantly talking to people. So I wasn't really talking all of a sudden. And I found that really confining. So podcasting was a way that for one, I could get in front of people that I wanted to talk to because I was offering a platform and offering them something that they could use for their own purposes. So I discovered that I could get really smart people who would normally charge me to come and talk to me for free, for one. But also it was just an avenue for me to really express myself. I noticed that I was actually out of habit when I was talking to people and I would start to interrupt them because I was so excited to be talking to people. So podcasting also got me back into the habit of being a better listener. So I would actually, when I listen to my playback, I'm actually often listening 
to monitor my skills to make sure that I'm behaving myself in terms of listening. Yeah. You're now, I think, almost 70-ish episodes into your to your journey now. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I it, think it's actually, if you look at the official count on Apple, I think it's 80, but it's like trailers and bonus episodes and all that stuff. 80 so. episodes in. What was the... Do you look back on any of those in stages? Was there the first 20 was like this? And then maybe there wasn't like hard stages, but were there kind of some evolutions of the show as it's gone along? Yeah, absolutely. So I am very different from a lot of podcasters because I have a very different frequency in terms of how I publish. I knew from the beginning that I did not want to be doing this daily or weekly or even monthly. I publish quarterly. And so what quarterly gives me, and that's probably why I use more notifications than the average podcaster does, I don't fit into any box in terms of that, right? So in terms of how I publish, that's definitely been an evolution. Because when I first started publishing, I followed the whole thing of you have to have so many in the can, right? So I did the interviews, but then I wouldn't publish for three months. And then I would release them all at once. And I didn't love it. I didn't love it because in terms of marketing, it was a lot of information that was going out there all the time. So like my entire social media feed would be all podcasts all the time. And then people wouldn't know what to pay attention to. It was overload, right? So I've experimented with how I release it over the quarter. And where I've settled on recently is I will basically record, sometimes I actually even publishing same day. And if they can give me the bio and the picture and everything's good to go, I don't spend an awful lot of time editing. That was another thing too. When I first started, I edited like crazy. And I was really paranoid and I'm like, I wanted to make sure it was like, no, perfect. And now it's like, I remove fillers. I add in the intro music, the outro, and that's it. I'm done. And then I just have, I do show notes and I do the picture. And so that's really different too. So now I can actually publish same day and people are shocked by that because, you know, a lot of podcasters do what I did initially and don't publish for months and months, right? Yeah. It's a great example or great story. There's so many people that think I've got to post every week. I've got to post every whatever. And I think there is some value in consistency, but consistency can be whatever you make it, right? And you found your own sort of sweet spot with regards to your posting cadence. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I tell people I'm like, a quarterly is a consistency. And I think it also gives you a lot of time to kind of milk and that's yeah. a weird word to use, but to get as much out of the episodes as possible. One challenge with the weekly cadence is you've only got six days to promote it, seven days to promote it. And then there's the next one's coming out and then and it keeps going. And that's great in its own regard for the listeners to have them something to listen to every week, but it becomes a cha- challenge promotionally. And so I think that finding some way around not making your entire feed podcast stuff. It's something that gets a good thing to think about. Yeah, exactly. And I think it becomes more transactional the more frequently you publish. I like the value in the relationships for the podcasting, right? If I'm inviting you on my podcast, it's because I want to know you. It's not a one and done for me. And it's up to you how you want to engage with me. But if you come in my podcast, it's like you're mine, right? So I'll pay attention to what it is you're doing once you've gone. If something comes up, I'll send you things that I think you could be interested in. It's like an ongoing relationship building. It's like you're in my ecosystem now, right? So Yeah, that's something that I didn't do enough of at the beginning. I thought that just getting the guest on was the value. The very first interview that we published of the show was with Hala Taha. And I don't know if Hala, she's big on LinkedIn and she's this 
I think they call her the podcast princess or whatever. And she's amazing. She's great. She's brilliant. But what I would look back on it, that was our very first episode. And I didn't reconnect with her at all, really. We shared the episode, we did it. And then that was when we went, there was no sort of follow up. There was no sort of anything for the first, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 episodes where I just thought the interview and the conversation, that was the value, not realizing that the conversation was the beginning of, it's the of intro. the relationship. Right. It's the intro. Yeah, it's the intro. And that's actually, that's what I've been trying to teach people to do as well, too, is LinkedIn will actually, there's a project section. So you can actually go down and create like projects for your podcast. So I have one for, for my own podcast, and then I created one for guest episodes, too. And that way you can list the people who are on your podcast as collaborators. Tell me more about this. I've not heard of this. Oh, yeah. No, there's a project section that you can actually add on LinkedIn. So if you pull up my profile, I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, Now, you can actually go down and find the Hyper Remote Center of Excellence and then click on any of the people that I've got listed so that you immediately get into the profiles of my guests. So probably now out of 80 episodes, I have maybe about 50 odd guests, right? So like David was on my podcast recently. So you can get his profile and and see who I'm connected to. But I also do it for guest episodes. So like I'll add you for that. Actually, I might already have you in there because we did that panel before. That's so cool. Yeah, I think LinkedIn, there's such opportunity there. But I think that it has to be done the right way. And it's like utilizing some of these smaller features. We've seen one show recently do really well with the newsletter function because that's had some similar traction. Yep. So I've done that as well too, but I like actually the project section too, because you can put in the link for the shows, particularly on the guest episodes. So it's hard to actually get that all in one place. You can use Spotify playlists and all that, but to actually have the links to the shows in one place on LinkedIn, that's really challenging. So on the project section, you can actually create a link to the show right there. And that way it's on LinkedIn and you've got the links to the the collaborators. And I think that's a great way of, of just demonstrating like what your network is. If somebody was actually looking for information on what your podcast is, you can add media, you can add all kinds of stuff into that. And it's a different way of casing your podcast and your guest episodes. This is so cool. Yeah, I'm seeing, uh, I'm looking at it right now on the bottom of your profile. If you scroll down, there's a, a project section, like you're saying, and then it has your 45 guests, essentially, that you've brought on to your show and you connected with them. That's, uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think it's a great way to showcase the people who've been on there without necessarily tagging them like all the time. So they don't necessarily get notified that they've been created and and put into part of that project, but they can create that project for themselves as well, too. So it's a different way of amplifying it. And it is a skill that not everybody has. And it makes you stand out, I think, if you've got it on your profile. One other thing, now as we're on the topic of LinkedIn, is we've seen, so similar to these projects things, you can create what is called a showcase page. And it's basically yep. what they've allowed. It's a, like kind of a sub page of, of your business. So you can have your business page and then you can create what's called like a showcase page for your podcast or any of these other ones. And we've seen yep. that tagging people in those and posting from that page has been helpful and because it's not coming on my profile. So it doesn't look like it's not spamming up my profile necessarily. And they're getting tagged in it. So it's still being shown to their network and still rising up in the feed. So leveraging some of these tools on LinkedIn can be some, can, if your listeners are there and you have the right kind of show for the right kind of show, I think it can be a really great way for, for people to get new, uh, new audience. Yeah. 
I created a separate business page just because I wanted the branding for the podcast to actually be separate. And then I could tag it independently of the business too. And I list it as a separate professional activity. If at all, how does the show fit into your business? Because this is, and also how do you separate it? If at all, is there any separation? It's deeply integrated. So honestly, it's really like top of funnel kind of idea from a marketing perspective. It's how you would get familiar with me, how you would actually build that no and trust factor. I come to consulting and doing the work that I do, especially at C-level. I come to it from an odd place because I have customer service background. It's an operations background, right? So for people to understand that I've got the credibility and I've got the know-how that I'm claiming that I do, podcasting is a great way for you to actually showcase to somebody that you're trying to build a case to bring me in. As a speaker, I do different things with the work that I'm doing as well too, right? So it's deeply ingrained. So I do solo episodes. I don't just do guest episodes too. And honestly, one of the things that's been... I use the podcast really as an experiment to test things out and to test theories and to prove things to myself. And my solo episodes are usually my most listened to episodes, which is fun because you enter podcasting thinking that your value is your ability to attract people who are interesting and the value really is in getting information out of these interesting people. But the solo episodes have demonstrated to me that people are interested in listening to me. And so it's validating. For sure. So if you're not, if you're doing guest episodes, definitely consider doing solo ones. And also if you're only doing interview shows, I think that not enough hosts recognize that the listeners are still coming back for them. They, yes, they, you're bringing on guests and yes, the guests may be great and valuable, but if they're coming back and they're listening every week, it's because they enjoy you. They enjoy your perspective. They, and I had to get more, even just recently more okay with that because I used to find myself not like hiding in the corner of the interview, but I would really shrink myself from the conversation and not say anything really. I would ask the questions and it would be, if you were to track the transcript, it would be like 90% them, 10% me. And I don't know that's great for the listener either. And so now in a rant like this, where I try and inject a little bit of my own insights while still trying to keep it a conversation. And what happens is that it turns less of an interview. I thought I'm going to interview this person. And that's what they were when it evolved into now let's have a conversation. And those are, I think, more enjoyable for everybody involved. And also with regards to like business and lead flow, like that sort of stuff is helped when you are doing a conversation and not necessarily an interview. Yeah. And sometimes you make choices as an interviewer too, because you run up against, especially in the conversations that I'm having about hybrid remote and all the skills and what the future of work is going to be, you run into mindsets and worldviews that you don't necessarily agree with, but you don't necessarily want to confront because it's going to shut down the conversation and really not be what you imagined the interview could be, right? So the guest episodes are useful because sometimes it'll pinpoint things that need to be addressed in more detail from my own perspective, right? For example, like there's every single guest will have a different opinion about when it's appropriate to work in person versus how you work remotely. And there are people who absolutely believe that body language is essential. You have to see people all the time. You have to have meetings. You have to have cameras on. And I don't believe that in the least. I don't believe that in the least. And I had a negotiation expert on great interview, but 
she was very much in that camp where in-person can be the be-all and end-all of the relationship. And I'm like, I don't agree with that. So I did a separate episode to go into more depth in terms of how I perceive this and why I perceive this and how people can can use it to their their benefits strategically, right? Sometimes it's it's useful just to not even address it in those guest episodes and then do a solo episode to go into it in more depth. Yeah. You mentioned you like to keep it simple. I'm curious what your favorite podcasting tools or software or, or the things that you make your system go, if you will, are the things that you lean on or that you like? Um, yep. I use Zoom for one, just to connect. Sometimes we use the video, sometimes we don't. I do have a YouTube channel that's the podcast is feeding directly into. It's funny, the people that you expect to say yes to video often don't. Mm. And the people who you never expect to say yes to video will sometimes do that. I don't make it a priority to do the video podcast. Again, it's more of a, an experiment to see how I like it, how it feels to guests, whether people really like it, and whether it makes a difference in terms of searchability or interest. So yeah, I basically use Zoom and then I use my host on Libsyn, and I use Descript. Uh, we like we like Descript. That's a big part. Zoom is great because it is like old reliable. It works ninety nine point nine percent of the time. It's usually our fallback if anything is going wrong. Okay, let's just hop on Zoom. And so yeah. I, I like having that uh, as an option as well. When you look forward to twenty twenty four, I can guess what your answer might be, but I'm curious: Are there any? trends or technology or, or things that you're excited about or integrating things that you're looking forward to with regards to the show? Actually, one of the things that has been mentioned to me by a speaking coach that I follow is the idea of creating like a private podcast really to amplify the speaking business. And so I may actually, for the first quarter, not necessarily publish to my primary podcast, but to actually create like a private podcast that would be like a value add to speaking services. So that could be interesting. This is where, again, I can play with it. I'm always interested. I do love the podcasts that weave in like little quotes and little clips and music and like from different places. And I'm very leery about fair use and what's considered fair use. And so to actually publish it publicly, I'm not sure that I want to do that. But to actually create a private podcast and then play with that, I think that could actually be really interesting. So I'm considering that for Q1. And again, I probably wouldn't need that many to really make it useful. So I'm like, if I create five to 10 episodes in a private podcast feed that that I could then use strategically to engage with clients who are looking to book me for speaking services and making exclusive, that's an interesting thing. So again, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I now have demonstrated that I have the persistence and perseverance to get to, what is it, 80 episodes. And I've earned the opportunity to really play with my consistency there. I might not publish publicly again until April. We'll see. And when you say the private feed, what that is, is like the equivalent of, yeah, I guess a private feed. You have an RSS feed that is, you would send to them and then they could down subscribe and download on there. Yeah, exactly. But you can also publish. So when I'm part of a LinkedIn group and he has like a private podcast that he actually, you can add into players, right? So mm-hmm. I can get it on Apple. I can get it on Spotify. I don't exactly know how it works. I haven't figured it out. I believe if you have the link, if you have like the RSS link. You can add it in. Yeah. So that's my understanding. It's just like a private RSS feed, right? And then you can add it. 
I got one more question for you before we get out of here. I would love for you to share with the listeners how people can get deeper in your world or get connected with you. Oh, sure. Of course. My website is always a great place to start. NolaSimon.com. LinkedIn. I'm Nola Simon there. And in all other places, you'll find me Nola Simon TJO, which is a throwback to the Janus Oasis. I just kept that. To that keep me funny. honest. So we are connected on LinkedIn and she, you have some great, just thought provoking posts. So it's a great follow. My last question, in your opinion, what's been the secret to your podcast success? Just actually tying it into what I'm interested in intrinsically. So for me, that whole, why am I doing this? This is something that I'm doing actually for myself, for my business that I feel is valuable. And I'm not necessarily that interested in what their agendas are. Right. Like I almost turn down almost all pitches that come to me cold. I'm usually the person who's building the relationships off LinkedIn, Twitter. It's been all kinds of different places that I've built those relationships. And usually people accept almost immediately. Right. Because I'm the person inviting them because I've done the work up front with the relationships. And that really has kept me going because I'm building it for a specific agenda that I'm building. So yes, people are coming to my podcast because they're doing book tours and they've got their own agendas that they they want to address. And that's completely fine. I, I totally support that and I understand that. But if you're coming to me because that's all you want and it's completely unrelated to what I'm trying to achieve, I'm going to turn you down because I'm not interested in that transactional nature, right? So staying true to that, I think, has really been a game changer for me because mm. I don't feel like I'm being used. Yeah, fantastic advice. No, thank you for spending some time today and sharing some wisdom. I want to thank all of you listeners for getting here and being here with us today. Where I'm honored, humbled that you're a part of this journey. I'm sure Nola appreciates you spending some time hanging out with us as well. We would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you're on Spotify. We're trying to make a little bit of a push there. So if you happen to have Spotify on your phone, if you open up the app and give us some stars at the top. Uh, if you know a podcaster who should be hearing this or needs to hear this or they're thinking about starting a show, uh, send them a text with this episode and then go get connected with Nola if you're not already. And let's see if we can change the remote hybrid working world because I don't think it's going anywhere. And I don't know that I want to go into an office every day either. I certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> All of you who are listeners, we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.